Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. and welcome to our Chemistry of Color podcast. We're going to talk today about color and how we perceive color, how color is made, what chemicals make color, and what actually goes on between paints and inks and dyes. Paint is one of the earliest human inventions. You could see that in the cave paintings that we see in in historical texts or we see on TV. These were paintings made from ochre, manganese oxide, charcoal, and a bunch of other different chemicals. So paint was one of our first practices in chemistry. You also found over history colored painted walls. You think of the ancient ruins of Rome uh, or the ancient ruins of Greece and their colorful frescoes and other paintings. Egypt wouldn't be uh, Egypt without we thinking about those tomb paintings. Over the centuries, there have been a lot of materials we've used as paint. We've used plants. We've mixed things with egg yolk to, to make like a tempera paint. We've used oil as a base for paint. So we've been really experimental as a people developing color and developing paints and dyes. A big revolution was the foundation of lead. So the use of lead for paint and colorants became uh, widespread throughout the centuries and it actually became part of a problem. A, a lot of, of modern day paints are now considered to be lead free or volatile organics free. But for many hundreds of years, lead was a fairly common component of paint. So you would have houses painted with lead, you'd have radiators painted with lead, you would have lead face paints, you'd have lead cosmetics. So there was a lot of lead in use. And if you think about the historical portraits of Queen Elizabeth, she had that very white face. Well, she painted her face with lead-based cosmetics. Now, color is perceived by our eyes, by our optical system, as wavelengths of light, which are absorbed and reflected by different substances. So certain chemical substances and elements can reflect or transmit light in visible light bands. And if we call visible light anything in the range of 400 to 700 nanometers, those are the, the, the visible light range. And for a chemical to be seen, it usually needs... Um, one of several things called a chromophore, something that will absorb or transmit light. You can have a conjugated pi bond system, the alternation of single and double bonds like aromatics, things like carotene. You've heard of beta carotene that makes carrots yellow. You would also have metal complexes, things like chlorophyll. Or you can have oxomes which aid in the perception of color. These are things like amino groups, uh, carboxylic acids, carbonyls, hydroxyl groups. In general though, if you are looking at something that is a yellow-green color, the color violet is being absorbed by whatever you're looking at, and it has wavelength of between 400 and about 435 nanometers. If you see something that's red, the actual color being absorbed is blue or green or a bluish green, and that will give you red, and that's the 400 to 490 to 500 nanometer wavelengths. If you're seeing blue, then yellow is being absorbed to give you blue, 
and you're seeing 580 to 595 nanometers. So it all depends on what colors are being absorbed and what colors are being reflected. And you're seeing the reflected colors. Now colors can be things like pigments or they can be inks, dyes, or paints. Pigments are finely ground particles of color which are usually suspended in a medium such as water or oil or something else. And this will create a paint or a coloring agent. Pigments don't really uh, chemically interact with whatever the medium is. So if you're using a paint, it doesn't, it doesn't chemically react with the wall or it doesn't chemically react with the paper or the canvas. Instead, it, it actually sits on top of and it, and it binds to the, the top layer of, of the substrate. So they're physically bound to the matrix or the substrate. Dyes are chemical that are dissolved in a medium like water to create a paint or a coloring agent which is chemically bound to a substrate or a matrix or another material. You might actually need a chemical called a mordant to interact with that material to allow the dye to permeate and become part of that material. So dyes become part of the matrix of the material so that it will become part of the fabric or part of the canvas, but a pigment uh, or a paint will not. That will sit on the surface of it. Paint is a mixture of pigment, some sort of binder, a solvent, and other different additives. Some of these additives are things like pesticides or herbicides or fungicides, things that will stop the growth of mold and fungus and, and other materials. So if you look at a paint, it's mostly all solvent. So it's either water or some sort of alcohol or some sort of thinner, and could be up to 40% or more of a solvent. Then you have a binder anywhere in the 10 to 40% range. Then you have about 25% pigment and then about 10% or so of additives. As we said, the, the biggest portion is the solvent, often called a thinner. It can be an organic solvent like acetone or it can be water. This reduces the viscosity of the paint and it allows for an easier application. A binder, which are also called resins, are polymers that form a matrix to hold the pigment in place. And there are different types of binders. There are uh, acrylic binders, alkyl binders, or epoxy binders. These are different type of binders that hold that paint to whatever the surface is, whether it be a wall or a canvas or a piece of paper. Then you have additives. These modify the processes and properties of the paint. So you'll have something called a dispersant. This allows the color to be dispersed evenly through a paint. You might have some silicone in your paint. This will improve its wearing so it won't fade or wear as quickly as something without this additive. You have drying agents, which speed up the drying of a paint. You have anti-settling agents. A paint wouldn't be real nice if all the pigment settled to the bottom of your uh, bottle or the bottle of, of your can, and it, you, know, you had to dig around or remix it every time you tried to use it. And then we said before, we have the, the pesticides or the bactericides or the moldicides and things like that. There are several different types of colorants. They're usually based on chemistry. We first are going to talk about the metal colorants. So for something like a black, which is a very common metal coloring, you have iron oxide, you have carbon black, and natural black pigment is made from different powdered minerals and materials. And one of the most common inks in the world is called um, a black pigment called India ink. If you're looking for a brown or you want a brown um, metal paint or pigment, you're looking for ochres. This is the type of material that was used in cave paintings. 
Uh, ochre is composed of iron or ferric oxide crystals mixed with clay. Red ochre is kind of yellowish, and when dehydrated through heating, it changes color. If you are looking for a metallic color of red, you want to use a, a metal for a red color, you're talking about cadmium red, which can be highly toxic because it has cadmium. You can have cinnabar, which is also very highly toxic because it has mercury as its base. There are red iron oxides. You also have naphthols, which are produced from naphtha. And these tend to be a little bit uh, less dangerous than some of the metal-based reds or the, the other uh, reds. And they have less risk of allergies. But it's uh, important to say that all reds have some is risk for an allergenic reaction. If you're looking for a uh, yellow, you would be looking at like something like a cadmium yellow or ochres as we discussed before. You could also have yellow from things like turmeric, which uh, has a, a very distinct yellow color to it. Greens would be lead chromates, uh, chromium oxides. These would be greens, malachite, which is, is a copper. A lot of the coppers have green colors or blue colors to them. Blue colors, as we said, are coppers. Cobalt, you've heard of cobalt blue. And the safest of the blues and the greens are all copper salts. So those are the safer ones. Things like cobalt and some of the other ones tend to be a little more dangerous. Now for white, the most prevalent compound is uh, titanium uh, dioxide. And this is the most common uh, addition to pigments in all paints. So 70% of all the paints have some titanium dioxide in it. But you also can have zinc oxide for a white, or as we said before, you can use uh, lead compounds like lead carbonate to make that, that white color. The other way that you can have colors is organic colorants. Plants, dyes, pigments that are based on organic molecules. So you can have uh, chlorotin pigment. That's kind of a complex between a metal and an organic. You can have your anthracenes or your ar aromatics. These are conjugated aromatics. Things like naphthaquinones, those are reds. Anthraquinones, which is, are also reds. Things like a matter root. Um, you have terpenes. We've heard a lot about terpenes a lot for flavor and fragrance in past podcasts, and it's very popular in, in food, wine, cannabis to hear about your terpenes. But they're also involved with color because a carotenoid is a, is a terpene, and that, like we said, has that orange-red color. If you like the color of the of saffron, of the spice saffron, uh, that's crocin. Uh, xanthophils, which will give you yellow, like in marigold flowers. So there, there are a lot of different organic colorants as well. The largest group of natural color compounds, though, are flavonoids. These are C15 backbones with two phenol groups. And they're heterocyclic uh, rings, a C6, C3, C6, and they all contain a ketone. These are classes like your bioflavonoids, your isoflavonoids, and your neoflavonoids. You'll also hear them that they're many uh, times called antioxidants, and you think of them as health and flavor, but they're also for color as well. So you'll hear things like an anthocyanid for wines, that purple wine grape color, or the polyphenols 
for, for grapes and or anthocyanins for blueberries. So these are the colors that those antioxidant compounds, you heard it like blue is the, is the new health color. So blueberries, blue fruit, fruits, blue vegetables, things like that have, have these polyphenols in them, these anthocyanins in them. They're, they're very powerful antioxidants, but they also give them those bright colors. Then there are groups of artificial colors, and some of which are banned or, or severely restricted. There's a group of compounds called azodyes. Azodyes are derivatives of diazine, and they are substituted with uh, hydrocarbyl groups. These are known to release carcinogenic ar ar aromatic amines, and they break down specifically when exposed to solar or ultraviolet radiation. So they undergo reactions that can cleave into aromatic amines and then potentially cause cancer. Some degradation products are things like aniline, toluidine, and have been identified and, and targeted as carcinogens, so they are banned in a lot of food and other products. But unfortunately, over the years, there have been a lot of studies that show that these dyes still exist in our foods. There was a study of palm kernel oil that had uh, that red, deep red coloring, and they found azo dyes in that to make it look more like palm kernel oil. They found foods like hot sauces, different spices, red peppers, things that will give that brilliant reds and orange colors that have been adulterated with all of these different azo dyes. So the chemistry of dyes can be pretty complex from the metals to the organic dyes and how we use them from food to tattoos to paintings, art, coloring, history is, is a very interesting branch of science. And I hope you join us in our future podcast where we're going to talk about color in a different way and we talk about the chemistry of tattooing. I hope you join us then. Thanks a lot. Spec Speak Science is presented by Spec Certiprep, a leading manufacturer of certified reference materials and calibration standards for analytical spectroscopy and chromatography. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more can be found at specsertiprep.com. Thank you for listening to Spec Speak Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.